Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited to have you join us for what will be another incredible episode. And before we get into today's episode, because there is a lot of value jam-packed into this week's episode, I just want to say for our long-time listeners, thank you for showing up each and every week. I value you. I'm grateful. I just want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share some insight, share some content to help you be the best you can be. And if you're a, a first-time listener, welcome. We hope you take away a little bit of insight. We hope we take away benefit. That'll help you in your journey of being the best you can be. Now, I know I say every week that this is going to be an incredible episode. We've got some awesome takeaways, but the reality is this is a really good episode. And I say this because I usually take notes during an episode, but this episode, I took a couple of pages of notes. And the reason why it sort of resonated for me because I'm hearing and I'm seeing, look, the market is changing. The economy is having an impact on salespeople globally. Like that is now the reality. And we've seen job layoffs. The news is talking about the negative. There's a lot of negative sentiment out there. Now, this is not an episode where I want you to think about that negative sentiment or the things that we can't control because you've heard me talk about focusing on the things that we can control when it comes to selling. But the reality is the economic environment does impact how our buyers behave. And we need to consider that and need to consider the things that they're thinking about during the buying process. And why I love this episode, because we have John Feldman, who's the VP of Customer Acquisition at Absolute Software, because we really dive into the characteristics that he sees in his team from top performers and the things that they do, and also the things that they do when things don't go to plan. And this is why I'm really keen to share this content and share this particular episode with you because John's managed a team for a number of years. He's sat in the VP seat for literally over a decade and also been a high performer himself. So he does bring a level of insight about what his sellers do, like his high performers do. What are the things that they do to drive and achieve performance? Their, their mindset, their behaviors, their actions. And again, when we think about what's happening in the market, we need to be controlling, focusing on the things that we can control. This is why this episode is going to be so valuable for you to listen to because John will walk through the things that his team are doing to achieve certain results. So I can't wait to get into this episode. Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. 
before we do jump into this episode, before you probably have to pause, take some notes, go to notes, or you know, write it down, and you might even listen to this twice, this episode, right? But before we get into that, I'm really pumped to talk about the launch of Growth Forum. You've heard me talk. We have been sort of letting you know that it's coming, it's coming. And last week, we did launch, and it was an incredible launch. We got some amazing people involved who are running live sessions each and every week for our community. So in the show notes, there is a link. It's growthforum.io. Go and check it out. It's free to join. There is so much past episodes or, or recordings that you can access on a variety of different topics in sales and marketing. And we've got professional development topics as well. And we have an amazing roster of upcoming sessions over the next few months. And you'll be able to see them in the upcoming section of the community. Jump in there because as I said, it's free to join. There's courses, there's a prospecting program, there's an SEO program, there's going to be digital marketing, there's going to be discovery program, there's going to be so many different programs you can access. So this is for our community. We are putting this out there to help you in your journey in being the best you can be. So go check it out this week, our live sessions all around sales planning and all around what you can do to really build out your sales plan to make sure 2023 is a solid year for you. And then we have some great speakers, best-selling authors, uh, Craig Ballantyne on the Perfect Day Formula. We've got Victor Antonio running sessions. We've got Trevor Collins, who's the founder of Antimatter Marketing and has achieved amazing things in running sessions. We've got copywriting. There are many different sessions that you can access. So check out the show notes. I know I've oversold it in that little clip, right? But I am so excited about it because the value there is is incredible. And again, it's free to join. So go and check it out. But before you do that, check this episode out. John's going to drop some value. You're going to take away some notes. And I'd love to hear your feedback on this one, actually. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Hit me up. If you do join the community, hit me up on the community and tell me what you loved about this episode. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much, Luigi. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, and I'm really happy to have you on as well, John. And I know that we've had, for our listeners, um, full transparency. I've worked with John for a number of months. Um, geez, nearly six months, I think it might have been, John. Um, Correct. Working with your sales team, uh, providing them with training and coaching around uh, sales development and prospecting. So I'm really happy to be able to get you on our show and really talk a bit about the perspective that you bring managing uh, a high-performing sales team and, and a large team a, as well. So I'm looking forward to diving into this topic of what are the characteristics that make up a high performer and what sellers can do to differentiate themselves in 2023. But before we dive into that topic, would you mind just sharing a little bit about how you started in the wacky world of sales? Oh, this is a this is a bit of a crazy story. So I'm happy to share. Um, what really got me interested or even sort of aware that this was an industry was probably 25 years ago, maybe longer. Yep. And I was hanging out with a, a group of buddies and there was this one uh, individual who was always around, mm. always wore the flashiest clothes, <laughs> always drove the nicest cars, right? Yeah. And you could tell that like he was doing well for himself. And, uh, I had asked my buddy who knew him well, I'm like, like, he seems to like, you know, not to say like was a step ahead of us, but he was a step ahead of us. Mm. And, uh, I asked him, I said like, what line of work is he in? And he said, he's in tech sales. <laughs> and I said, interesting. So him and I, uh, got to be pretty good buddies. And funny enough, it was his referral into what I would call my first foray into, uh, into sales 
because I had saw the type of lifestyle that he had led. And I'm not going to lie, like, you know, I want to be able to provide very well for myself and my family. And I saw someone like me who was university educated and also had a a degree from a, from a, a local college here as well that specialized in sales and marketing. Yep. He, uh, funny enough, he actually went to the same course and did the same <laughs> course. And he showed me a path that I never knew existed. Hmm. And uh, once I, I got a taste of what sales was and saw the world, um, I knew this was something that I was going to dedicate myself to for my career. Oh, what a story. That's actually a really cool story, John. And it's funny that you described the motivation for you was seeing somebody quite successful um, and that's what drove you to join the profession. I'd love to sort of dive deep on that for a moment because I think for many, like joining because of money or objects or lifestyle is one thing, but was there a point where you realised that selling was a lot more than just the things that you can make or the money that you can make from the profession? Yeah, absolutely. It actually changed when I went into management. Okay. When I went into sales management, it goes from, you know, having the confidence of being able to know that you can take care of yourself, but then realizing that you can take care of others too. So I realized that by good management and taking an interest in people and showing them a skill set, if they're interested in gaining that skill set, that you can make a real difference in people's lives as well. And I know that sounds a little bit corny, but I mean, a salesperson, all we are is, is uh, sorry, is a sales managers. Mm-hmm. All we are is sales managers and sales leaders. We're, we're coaches and mentors. Yeah. We're on the ice. You know, we've got the whistle in our mouth. That's a hockey analogy, by the way. <laughs> And we're, we're just coaching the team to be the best that they can. And some really, really respond to good coaching. Yeah. And those are the ones that you put your effort into. So it becomes like almost like a level where you've reached like your, your potential. And then if you're interested in teaching others, you go into management and you help them reach their potential. So it's a big give back moment. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome description, right? Of, of the role of a, of a sales leader. So thanks for sharing that. And, 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 just in your role um, and in, in, in the sales leadership roles that you, you have been in, you've managed some pretty big teams, right? Yes, I have. I've managed teams upwards of, uh, including our renewals teams, upwards of 30 or 40. Okay. And across those teams, and this is why I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive into this topic, um, you would have seen reps that have overachieved and yes. reps that have underachieved and ultimately been on a performance improvement plan. And in some cases you've had to let go. Um, let's firstly start with the, the, the high performers, uh, over the years, are you able to share what you've seen as the characteristics and behaviors that high performers exhibit that enable them to achieve consistent results? Yeah, that's a great question. So I look for four things when I hire. It's coachability, urgency, resiliency, and curiosity. Those four things in terms of the DNA of a sales rep is what I look for. But if I like, it's funny you say that because when you say the high performers, they immediately come to my mind. Like I see them, like I'm looking at them in my mind and going, what what was that? What separated from them? Mm. 
And in management, you look to balance your sales team on a matrix, right? Mm -hmm. A skill will matrix. And I would say that the most successful salespeople that I have seen are the ones that have will for days. Mm. They just have this desire, this innate desire to be good and great at what they do. Yeah, They're extremely coachable. They don't mind messing up because they know that they're trying new tactics. So they, they're not fear of, they don't have a fear yeah. of failure. So the resiliency is very good. And the, the, um, the urgency, they have that natural sense of urgency to not start tomorrow, but start today. Hmm. And I think what really separates an average sales rep from an excellent sales rep is just that desire to really, really want it and put the effort in that uh, that they're going to do. Yeah, they're incredible. And I just want to go back just for those, because so it's coachability. You had curiosity, urgency. I think I missed one. Uh, coachability. Yep. Urgency, resiliency, and curiosity. Uh-huh, resiliency. Curiosity because... I look at a client like a watch. Yeah. There's all these moving dials and and gears and cogs and you don't really understand the business until you understand what turns this that turns mm-hmm. that that functions this so then you know what inputs and outputs your product could have and affect in a positive way yeah. on the business. It's why deals are won and lost in discovery, right? Yeah. The more you know about their business, the more powerful you are. Yeah, it's the mechanics, right? Absolutely. Knowing the mechanics. And I mean, I love this. I think and I'm taking some notes already. It's always a sign of a good podcast when I sit there and take some notes and have a few aha moments myself. Um, Hey, one question I'm really keen to ask you. When we look at, you know, a high performer and we think, yeah, they're, they're achieving incredible results. Sometimes, you know, outsiders or observers can create a picture in their mind that a high performer is, is perfect. Yeah. Um, have you seen high performers that might not have had the best skill set or been so great at writing or their education wasn't so great, but yet their will for days, their will had enabled them to achieve success. And if so, can you maybe just talk about somebody that comes to mind? Yeah, that's, a, you know, it's interesting you say that. Um, I don't see a correlation between higher education and success in sales. Yeah, I don't. Um, I've seen a lot of excellent salespeople come out of two year programs that specialize in sales and marketing. So I don't see that correlation. What I see is a hunger to be successful and do something with their lives mm-hmm. in an industry that they have passion for. Yeah, that's, that's what I see. And I say this to, to my sales team. And I say this to people that I mentor, don't get into sales. If you're if you want to be number two or number three, <laughs> that's the wrong mindset. Yeah, you have to come into sales like you're going to be number one. And the difference between the people that I'm talking about and the people that perhaps didn't do so or continue to struggle is that they bring it every single day in their own way. Like the one rep that I'm thinking about in my mind, like literally you would knock on a store and say, Hey, do you have two minutes? And they would look at you with steely eyes and go, 
you know that nine to 11 is my sacred time for prospecting. So no, I don't. Yeah. And I respected that so much. Mm. So the dedication, the time blocks, yeah. the, um, the resiliency to just sit there and do what they had to do to be successful. The focus in for that person was amazing. He was a hard worker, very hard worker. Um, but the results came as well. The other person I'm thinking about maybe didn't work as hard, quote unquote, but the way that he worked was very good because he was the most prescriptive seller I've ever worked with. The confidence that he eluded on the phone, it made his clients want to work with him and want to trust him because he he didn't even come across as a as someone who was selling them something. He came across as someone who was trying to help them solve the problem that they had and had experience doing it in the past with a reservoir of stories that he would tell mm. during the cycle. Yeah, I love this. And just before I, we, we, we touch on this, because you've said a number of things, just that element of being selfish with their time. Um, uh, and there's a really great book called Sales Truths by Mike Weinberg, which our listeners will know Mike because I'm a big fan of Mike Weinberg, but he talks about one of those sales truths and that salespeople like high performers are absolutely selfish with the way that they spend their time, right? And they don't give up their time freely. So, you know, I can see why that particular person would look up at you and say, hey, you know, this is my sacred time, right? This is my prospecting time block because it's a it's a non-negotiable. But let's just go, and, and I do want to go back a little bit, right? Because some of the words that you mentioned, dedicated, focused, you know, want to be number one, desire, wants, um, they're pretty expressive characteristics, right? That really paint a, a picture of, of a particular personality. But I just want to touch upon the next element that you spoke about, which was about helping, etc. cetera. Um, and I'd love to break those characteristics down. So even though the high performers that you're talking about ha- possess that, that insatiable desire for success, do you mind sharing the other characteristics that the buyer's seeing that is making it easier for the buyer to progress through the buying journey? Oh, that's a good question. So how did it look on the other side? Yeah, because we're looking at it now from the seller's perspective, but I actually want to flip it because in some cases, that type of personality can be seen a little bit too intense from a buyer. So they're obviously doing something that's adapting their style to make or to engage that buying committee, right? And, and especially with the products and just again for our, our, our listeners, you're selling complex B2B solutions. So there's multiple people in buy, involved in the buying committee. Yep. Um, can you just walk us through how the buyer is seeing these characteristics and what they're doing to adapt their style? Yeah, that's it's such a good question. I would equate it to kind of like, when you when you're shooting a movie, okay. there's all of the uh, the hectic activity, but as soon as the camera rolls, the professional comes on. Yeah, and the way that they presented themselves, they elicited a ton of confidence. Yeah, they brought a ton of value, value through stories, and the other thing that they were extremely prescriptive. They would never ask questions like, "So, what do you think the next step is?" Mm-hmm. They would say things like typically with customers like you, the next step looks like this, yeah, right? And like really pull them through the sales cycle. And their confidence came from the stories. Um, I, I, it's funny that you're asking me these questions because I literally remember listening to one 
uh, call that, uh, that one of the reps was having. And I remember him answering a question, something like, you know, we have, we have um, a lot of different customers and I've, I've helped a lot of different customers do it in very different ways. Let me walk you through one of the ways. Yeah. And just the way that he did it, I could imagine that the person on the other hand, on the other line was thinking, yes, this person's been here before, solved this mm-hmm. problem and can immediately recite what they did to resolve that issue that the prospect was having. It was, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a level of confidence and deliverability in a, in a prescriptive way mm-hmm. that, uh, frankly, it was, it was a learning experience for me because they were very good. That's actually really interesting. I want to, I, I want to build on that because often if we think of it and I've asked this question oh, hundreds and hundreds of time when running training, at the start, which is, you know, when you think of a salesperson, what an image or word or thought that comes up. And a lot of the time it's a negative, it's a negative word that's associated to a seller, right? Yeah. It's, 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 and it's often that, that used car, slicked back, um, smooth talker can say anything at the right time, that overconfident particular salesperson. But what you've just described though, from a confidence perspective, it's not confidence in the way in which they're holding their personality it's confidence by knowing how their product has helped others and the use cases and being able to articulate that story to their buyer which ultimately gives the buyer confidence in in feeling yes this person understands our needs and knows how to help us move beyond the current state and fixing x problem so I love that description, right? Because I think we often we 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 can we forget that even though we're told not to sell the features of what we do, I think again what you've described there is explaining how a customer has fixed a problem delivers valuable insight to the other person listening, and that ultimately delivers confidence. Yeah, and you know what the the really really good ones do? The really really good ones focus in on the differentiation in your product, right? That only your product has that uniquely solves the problem. So that way, when they go to the competitor and they say, well, do you have XYZ feature? And they say, no, it almost becomes a negative. But this is what the really, really good, smart, strategic sellers do. And funny enough, both of them had completely opposite personalities, as I said. One was the super hard worker in early, stay late, and one was just very cerebral in the way that they went about it. And I'll, and I'll tell you, one of them said to me because I pr- I promoted the him from SDR <laughs> to uh, an AE, and he he said I have a goal in my mind that I am going to sell into Amazon, and at the end of the comp year, he did it not once but twice yeah love that so he's visualizing his success as well which is awesome yeah yeah and he's you know what i gotta tell you he was a young kid and uh i i think i've learned more from him than than he has from me (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah what a great story actually um hey john this is a topic because i think 2022 served up some really challenging moments for sales orgs 
2023 has started a little bit uh, challenging, right? There's a lot of layoffs, especially in the tech sector. They're continuing to happen every week. You sort of see mass layoffs. Um, we know that it's impacting sales performance. Uh, a lot of sellers are struggling to create or even win opportunities at the moment. Um, and we are, and, and there's a lot of predictions saying it's going to continue like that until sort of at least the start of 2024. One thing I want to ask you, and you've been around a while, um, talk me through when you've seen a high performer achieve great results, but then fall into a bit of a slump. What did they do to get themselves out of that slump and start achieving results again? Oh, that's, uh, you know, I've seen it happen a few times and it's funny. Um, I think the human being's first reaction is to say, I should change things up or I have to do something differently. Mm. The reality is, is that what, what got them to be successful and maintain success is the same thing that is going to keep them successful. And it's just by going back and practicing and going to do the basics again. And I can tell you that the one rep that I'm talking about had a bit of a, a rough patch again. Yeah. did go through one, but didn't change the game all that much, just continued to refocus himself on doing the things that got them to be successful in the first mm -hmm. place. And you know what, I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, you know, if something's, you know, completely failing, that you continue at it. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But in these, in these particular instances, you know, there's things that we continually have to do in order to be successful. One is one of them is blocking out time and making sure that you have the pipeline and the deals in the first place to work, right? Because you see some sales reps who are good and where they go through their slums is that they hate prospecting, yeah. right? So they say, well, I'm done with that. I got a full pipeline. Now I'm going to go exhaust the pipeline. And guess what? They go through a slump because there's no pipe because they've been ignoring the hard yards, right? The good ones go back and they make sure because they've lived this, they've lived the dry times for a while, that they always make sure that the pipeline is, mm -hmm. is in a place where they can be successful. So it's not so much as, as changing your game, but being cognizant of the things that made you successful in the first place yeah. and sticking to your plan, stick to your plan. This is the resiliency in this thing. Mm. And in this market, the selling time, I'll tell you, it's going to separate the winners from the losers because gone are the days of, you know, if you, if you went to zoom in 2000, you got president's club based on, on outlying economic yeah. conditions in the pandemic, right? Yeah. Those days are gone the good sales reps will fight through this and the ones that were never that good are going to have a struggle. Yeah. So we'd love your opinion on this. Um, you're talking about this time is going to separate the the good from the bad. Well, maybe, maybe not the bad, right? Because that's probably a wrong word, but it's going to separate. We're going to see a clear distinction between those that can work through these challenges and those that can't, right? If you're actually listening to this going, you know, um, I did ride a pretty, pretty good wave. Economic environment enabled me to achieve success. I'm now in a position where I'm really struggling to meet performance because, and the other out, outcome from struggling to meet performance, it can be potentially on a performance improvement plan, and it can have you know 
downstream impact, right? Nobody likes to be laid off or the confidence that sales can, the negative impact of confidence, you know, you can go home questioning yourself or you can be with your family going, I'm not producing in my role. It can, it can actually affect your mood and stuff, right? But if you are listening to this going, I haven't been sticking to the game. I haven't been time blocking. I haven't been visualizing. I haven't been dedicated. Like, and you're hearing this, having a few aha moments, what are one or two things that they should be doing instantly or immediately so that they can change their direction and change the momentum in their role? Yeah, like first of all, when when you get into a rough selling patch, like some say that we're going to get into, mm. it can weigh on you mentally. And I think what people have to understand, and I, I, I learned this from... from um, another person that I work closely with is that you got to separate your yourself from your your from your professional self, your intrinsic value will never change you are who you always will be. Yeah, right. Because you're going through a tough time, or because prospects are now saying no, does not mean that your self worth has reduced. That's not true. So I'm going to like, for all the sellers out there that are starting to recognize this and feeling a little down on yourself, you can't, right? That is your job persona, not your human persona. Your intrinsic value has not changed. That's number one. But number two is you, you have to be comfortable with yourself, with the level of effort that you're putting in, win or lose. Yeah. So there's no guarantees in life, but I can guarantee you this. If you left it all out on the field, doing all of the things that you thought that you were going to do to be successful, getting up early, talking to partners, talking to referrals, reaching out, having meetings, going through a tight sales cycle, not skipping any steps, right? And being the best you that you can be in terms of your sales ability, and it doesn't happen, I tell you what, you're going to feel, you're going to feel pretty good that at least you gave it 100%. Um, I would be very surprised that if you put all of that level of effort in, that you wouldn't be successful. But that's what it's going to take to get you through tough selling times, is that you just got to bear down with that resiliency in you. And you just have to go and do all of the things that you know to do. And others will not do that. The others who maybe cut corners and didn't prospect as much or weren't as prepared, that's going to come and bite them in the ass, right? Because the days of, you know, having a little bit of extra budget around to fund your project are gone. Now you're going to be competing with other priorities and other priorities that are linked to the biggest projects or biggest initiatives Mm. in the company. And if you're not one of those, right, then you're not going to be successful. But you know, a year ago, that budget may have happened. It may not happen now. Yeah, that's a, John, that's a, like, I mean, I've got pages, I've got two pages of notes from this interview, John, and it's it's an awesome response, right? And I'm, just before we focus on the the ethic and the work ethic and, and, and what's required to work through these challenges, I just want to go back on something that you said, because I think it was quite, it's quite important for those to hear this, that your intrinsic value doesn't change if you're not performing in your role, like that doesn't change who you are. It just means there are, there's something going on in your role 
And I, and I really like the way you've described that, right? Because I think that's important for us. We've got to separate that because, and I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of my work will impact the way that I view myself and my self-worth. And that impacts the relationships that I have in my home life, right? So I love the way that you've different, you've separated those two. So I, th- so, so I want to say thanks for that. Um, but the second thing is what I'm hearing you say is really control the controllables, Focus on the things that you can control. We can't control the result, but focus on all the things that we can control, the time blocking, the getting up early, the preparation, the, you know, the training, the practice, um, following the basics, getting the fundamentals right, all those things we can absolutely control. Uh, and that's what I took away yeah. from your final statement. A hundred percent. Just, just show up. Yeah. Right. Show up and show up. And if you do, you show up as the best you. And I go back to it. You don't want to be in sales if you have the mindset that you're going to be number two and number three and be happy with 65 or 75% of your quota. That should not be your mindset. I can do okay in sales. Your mindset should be, I'm going to be number one. I'm going to lead. I'm going to do everything I can to be super successful in this industry. Because frankly, that's the mindset that keeps people in this industry for a very, very long time. It's what keeps them there. And I can tell you the two gentlemen that I've referred to, yeah, they're still, they're still going very, very strong. And I will credit my friend, Mike Myers, for teaching me the lesson of injury. Awesome. And, and you know, John, for me, this has been an, an absolute awesome episode because we've really spoken about, and again, the characteristics that and, 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 the, and the plays that you've laid out, absolutely anyone can execute, right? This is not superpower sort of skills or, or or things that people need to have to be able to achieve success. And, and I love the way that you've described it. I love the way that you've spoken about the high performers that you've observed and what they've done to achieve success. Um, mate, before we let you go, because we've, we've covered a lot and we're going to chuck it into the show notes, um, where is the best place for our listeners to find and tell us a bit about your podcast because we'll make sure we put that in the show notes of where they can locate it and listen to it. Oh, sure. So our podcast is called The Rally Call. I do it with a good friend of mine, uh, Andrew Smith, and it's produced by a good friend of ours, Scott Switzer. We're available on Apple and, as I said earlier, on uh, on Spotify. And we talk about the things that that, not so much the tactical items about sales, but more of the broader industry what to expect when you get into uh, a sales role, mm. how to manage up, things like optics and how those are so important, the, the very important concept about alignment. So we talk about a lot of industry things in tech that I think that anybody who is in the industry mm. would find a lot of value, uh, lot of value with. Uh, our last episode, or I really enjoyed, we did the journey of a seller, uh, I, uh, an individual that I worked with. He uh, started off schlepping copiers in Saskatchewan and ended up as the COO of Marketo. Oh, no. So it's a great example, once again, of that resiliency and drive. And he took us through his career highlights and lowlights. And I think it's a good example of what can be achieved 
in this industry, when you have that mindset that I want to be number one and I want to be great. And I love this story. Awesome. Well, well, John, this has been an awesome episode. We'll make sure in our show notes, we put the link to your LinkedIn profile. We'll actually put the link to the, to your podcast. Um, so I just want to say thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I really, really enjoyed this chat. Obviously I've enjoyed working with you over the last sort of six months and I look forward to, to, to working with you in the future, mate. Thank you, sir. And same with you. I, I love the course. I love your content. And if we can do this again, you just let me know. 